my soul in sad exile. <laughs> I hate to get up and preach and ruin this thing. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Turn, if you would, to the book of Colossians. But I'm going to preach anyway. Bless God. I... <laughs> uh, the book of Colossians. We'll be here going through this book. Tremendous book. Uh, the theme is the will of God. Christ is enough. There's several themes here, but primarily our position in Christ. What we have when we're saved, born again. How rich we are in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, and if you have your little uh, church app, you can click on there on sermons and you can follow the notes along. I forgot to do that last week. Undoubtedly, nobody's following along because nobody said anything, <laughs> but Kay did. <laughs> she keeps us straight, but it's on there this morning. Colossians chapter 1, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. It's great to see Denise back. I don't know where she went, but she got back out of Haiti just the day after the storm. We praise God that the airport was open, and uh, she's back with us, and we praise the Lord for that. Colossians 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and to the Father and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Father, we ask you this morning to just breathe fresh on this service right now. Lord, may your word come alive in each one of our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. And Lord, may we leave this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, maybe even some leave this place for the first time in their life saying that they're free. They're, they're, they no longer are held in bondage of sin or, or any of the ills of this world. But Lord, they're free for the first time in their life. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The purpose of Paul's letter to the Colossians was to correct some errors that was going on. There were some false teachers along in that era there. They were, first of all, Eastern mysticism teachers there, talking about there was no deity of Christ. You've got to have the do, uh, uh, voodoo and all of those things. They downplayed divinity. And then there were the Jewish legalists there. And they were saying, hey, guys, it's okay that you accepted Christ, but I want to tell you that's not enough. You need to uh, expand that. You've got to do these works. You've got to, to be able to obey the Jewish law. In other words, by works, you've got to be saved. One group downplaying the deity of Christ. One group saying you're saved by works. And Epaphras is the pastor of this church. He had come to visit Paul in Rome. Now, Paul was in prison. 
And I want to tell you, I, I was thinking this morning, I was sitting on my back porch, Paul's a much better man than I am. You've heard me tell you, I believe that I will stand up for the Word of God. I will stand up for God. If they take me to prison, that's all right. I mean that. But bless God, I don't think I'll be in prison writing y'all a letter encouraging y'all. I think I'll do a little whining and a little, little, do a little mully grub in there and say, Lord, why me? You know, I'm just trying to serve you, Lord. Have you ever been there before? Well, Paul's not there. Paul's in prison, but he's turning around writing a letter to encourage a church, to lift them up, even in the jail cell. Now, Colossae uh, was a town that was in decline. In fact, I, you know, very, it's, it's really in Asia Minor, really near Turkey, uh, near Ephesus there. It's insignificant. But I want to tell you, when you come to the eyes of God, no one is insignificant. You may think this morning, I came in here, and, man, I can't sing like these people sing. I can't do this. I can't do that. But you're not insignificant to God. You're special to God. Every person is special to God. You've got a special gift that only you can give. No one else can do that. You have to do that. Now, you, in Colossae, there was no metropolis. There was no political empire. There's no educational centers. But there was a center and sinners that needed to be saved. And God raised up a church in Colossae. And Epaphras was the pastor of it there. Now, you'll read over and over again as we go through the book of Colossians. Uh, the verse, uh, the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. That mystifies a lot of people. If I had a nickel, every time somebody said, Preacher, if I just knew the will of God, I'm praying for the will of God. When I find the will of God, I'm going to get involved in it, and I'm going to do that. I just need the will of God. And they're waiting around like they're groping around in a fog looking for the will of God, like it's a treasure hunt. God buried it somewhere, and we've got to go find it and dig it up. I heard about a man who was a, a, a homeless guy, vagabond, and he he would just go here, there, just happy hobo, just walking around. Somebody said, well, what, what, what plan do you have? Where do you travel? He said, I just go wherever I want to go. I just go where I want to go. And they said, well, suppose, suppose you're walking down the road and you meet, there, there's a fork in the road. He said, how do you decide whether you go to the right or how do you decide if you go to the left? Oh, he said, well, I, I just take a stick and uh, I just throw it up. Whichever way it lands, that's the way I go. He said, sometimes I have to throw that stick up in there as many as six times to make it land the right way. <laughs> now, some of us are like that with the will of God. Lord, I want your will, but now this is what your will is for my life, and you're going to have to come around to what I say the will is. Amen? Amen. Oh, me. What is the will of God? There's several things here quickly. I've got to hurry. Well, I've got plenty of time. Bless God. <laughs> I'm used to hurrying. Amen? Hey. 15 pages of notes, there are seven points this morning. So it won't take long, I guarantee you. <laughs> Remember what Elizabeth Taylor told her last husband, I won't keep you long. She had, she had, had eight of those. <laughs> what is the will of God for your life this morning? I will tell you, first of all, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to be a fog or groping about it. The will of God is that you have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I can tell you that's the will of God. Look, look how Paul talks about Christ in the relationship in verse 2. He said, to the saints and faithful brethren of Christ in Christ, which are at Colossae. You see, some people seek to separate Jesus as Savior from Jesus as Lord. 
They say, you can be saved. Now listen to me. I think you can be saved, and I think you can backslide. I think there may come a time in your life where he's Savior of your life, but he's not Lord of your life. But I don't think that can happen when you're getting saved. I think when you're on your face before God and you say, God, I have nothing. I think you have to make him Savior and Lord or he don't come in at all. You say, whoa, now wait a minute. Maybe I didn't do that. Well, then maybe you ought to do that. You see, you can't separate. Nowhere in the Bible does it separate Jesus as being Savior and Jesus as being Lord. It's not in there. Now, you can be saved and make him Savior and Lord, and then later on in life backslide, and he's still your Savior. You don't lose the relationship, you lose the fellowship. But he's not really Lord of your life. But you can't be saved without making him Lord and Savior both. It's never separate. Listen, he didn't save you for you to run your life. He wants to live through you. If the only way he can live through you and get in charge is for you to get out of the way. You say, well, I put him in the driver's seat. Well, let me tell you something. Let me just be shoot straight with you. Some of my biggest distractions when I'm driving come from the back seat. Huh? I mean, so what? He's in the driver's seat. Are you still telling him what to do? Are you still telling Now I'm getting old and, and I'm, I'm appreciating my wife more and more. I really am. But sometimes she gets on my nerves. Not very often. But she'll say there's a parking place there. Well, bless God, I can see the parking place there. I was fixing to turn in. <laughs> Sometimes those distractions come. Lord, this, I'm, you're driving my vehicle. You're in control. Now, Lord, don't, don't go, oh, now, Lord, you know I don't want to do that. Lord, park it over here. This is where I want to spend my time. This is what I want to do. Let me tell you, get out of the way and let Jesus take you where he wants you to go. You will be no better place than in the center of God's will for your life. So he talks about Christ. Then he talks about himself. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle. That word apostle means one who is sent. In the New Testament, it also had a little bit deeper meaning. It means literally one who had seen the resurrected Christ. One who was there when he knew the tomb was empty. And so some of these people say, Paul, you're not no apostle. Well, we remember when you got saved in Acts chapter 9, you was on the road to Damascus destroying churches and tearing everything up. Your name used to be Saul. You're no, you're no apostle. But Paul says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. <laughs> you see, technically, if you've been saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb, you've experienced the resurrection. If you haven't experienced the resurrection, something's wrong in your life. I will tell you, Paul was on that road to Damascus, or Saul was, and he was blinded by the glory and the majesty of Jesus. Now, after Jesus left this earth, he is in glory and majesty. If you're going to look for him to come back the next time riding a donkey, you're going to be disappointed. He's not coming back as an humble servant the next time. He's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's in majesty. He's fully clothed. 
And so Paul said, yeah, I met him there, and the Lord saved me, and he anointed me to be the messenger to tell the world. There's one king, and his name is Jesus Christ. I was reading about a Holy Land tour, and uh, this old country boy was in the back. You know how guides always are. It's the same thing about groups here. They say, has anybody ever heard the Irwins before? And everybody, oh, new ones. Yeah. This guy gets up in the Holy Land tour. He's standing there by the cross, a skull. Looks like a skull there at Calvary. And he said, has anybody ever been here before? One old man in the back said, yeah, I was. I went down to an altar 55 years ago, and I came to the cross there. Never been the same since. You know, if you've been saved, you've been to the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been to the cross. You've been there. Every person who's been saved this morning has been to Calvary. Then look how he talks about us. He said, to the saints. Now, usually when we talk about saints, we're talking about a little statue or something that sits on the windshield of your car. I, I, I've told you all this before. Brother Mark, such a hoot, and y'all have had some experience with him this week too. Different ones of our group has. And uh, we were in New York City, and we were witnessing to this guy talking about the Lord. And, and uh, Mark said, uh, oh, I asked him, I said, uh, have you ever uh, made a commitment to a Savior and Lord of your life? And he reached up there and patted on that dash. And he said, there's a little old Buddha, you know, Buddha thing up there flopping around, you know, like this. And he said, uh, this, this is my God. And uh, he turned around, and we saw him looking in the mirror, and he said, uh, what, what about your God? And old Mark said, he won't fit on the dash of that car, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I want to tell you, our God's not some grotto you put in the backyard. When he's talking about saints here, he's talking about Christians. You can call them Christians, you can call them disciples, but he calls them saints. Now listen to me, there are four words in the Bible that come from the same root word, holy Holiness, sanctification, saint, all come from the same root word, every one of them, every one of them. Now, what, the, what does it mean for us? Well, well, let me tell you what it means. See, everybody talks about, oh, I got saved, man. God has saved me, and he separated me from this world. Yes, he has, but that's only half of the equation. See, the other half is, not only has God saved us and separated us from the world, but he set us apart exclusively for his own use. We're saved and we're separated from the world, but we're set apart to serve the Lord. That's the whole equation. Don't get left out in half of it. Don't get left out in half of it. He said, to you who are at Colossae. Now, you're in Longview. You're not at Colossae. But I'll tell you what you are. If you're saved this morning, you're in Christ. You're in Christ. See, Colossae was where they raised their family. It was the farms. It was where they conducted their business. But in Christ, truly and genuinely saved, I've been transferred out of the family of the devil. I've been taken from the realm of death. I've been taken from the spirit of judgment, from darkness into light, from the kingdom of Lucifer into the kingdom of Jesus. Doesn't matter where you are, you're in Christ. You're in Christ. You're sent out to bear a witness. And I want to tell you what you need to be telling folk this morning and this afternoon and tonight. Don't, don't get hung up on this, oh, I can't be a soul winner. Well, then you can't be very wise because the Bible says he who wins souls is wise. That's still in there. So don't get hung up on that. But let me just tell you what you need to be telling people. 
You need to be telling people that they're no worse than you were and Jesus saved you. And if he saved you, he can save somebody else. That's what witnessing's all about. Well, the will of God is to have a growing relationship with Jesus. But let me tell you what else. The will of God is for you to be thankful. You need to be thankful. Some of you just need to be thankful. You need to learn to be thankful. Not just some, not just for Paul. He means every one of us. Even when you don't feel like being thankful, you be thankful. You say, preacher, why do I have to do that? Because it's the will of God. And according to the word of God, if you don't do the will of God, you're living in sin. So I'm telling you, the will, the will of God is for you to be thankful. That's what the word of God says. Even when you don't feel like it. Every believer ought to be doing the will of God. And when we live thankfully, we can live victoriously. Now what is the will of God? You say, well, I don't have a whole lot to be thankful for. Well, let's just mention a couple of them, all right? Be thankful for the things of this life. Now, I, I was going to say nobody walked over here to church this morning, but we got some folk live right here, and they very well could have walked over here. I guarantee you, I'd walk rather than try to park in this place. Uh, so, but, but most of you, if you walked, you decided you'd walk. You didn't have to walk. Or you rode a bus or you rode something here. M most of you, bless God, I've looked out, you've got clothes on your back. We appreciate that. <laughs> we really do. I tell you, I've been in some churches where there wasn't enough clothes on them to bridle a mule. And so I, I'm thankful for you. I really am. You've got clothes on your back. Uh, You've you, uh, you got shoes on your feet. And somebody next to you may have taken them off, and you might be budging them saying, you know, you really ought to put them things back on. But you've got shoes on your feet. You've got food on the table, roof over your head, breath in your lungs. Your mind's still functioning. You're saved from hell. You're going to heaven. The Lord is your shepherd. You've got friends. You've got the word of God. You've got a church that listens to music like this this morning. You ought to be shouting on top of the ground this morning. Man, God has blessed you. He has blessed you. Be thankful for what God's given you. Then he said, be thankful for people. Who that's hard to do sometimes. Because people's what irritates folks. I had a staff member. Becky remembers him great. Because uh, she told me not to call him. <laughs> she said, don't call that dude. He's not what he is. Mm -mm. He said, you know, I'd love this job if I didn't have to work with people. Well, that's kind of what ministry is all about. People. I mean, you learn to. <laughs> anyway. He said, you be thankful for the saints. Uh, the people of Colossae. Oh, Paul is in jail. And he's written books and he's been very important. But you know what he does his time doing? He's rubbing shoulders with the saints out there at Colossae. He's with the people. He's with the people. I, uh, as my schedule gets busier and busier, I'll tell you the hardest thing I ever do is just trying to meet with everybody I need to meet with. I never, I, listen, I never want to be a pastor where you say, I, I've got the call to make an appointment. You don't need an appointment. Now, what you need to do is call and ask the secretary if she can lay hands on me if I'm here or somewhere else. But I don't ever want to be a pastor that you've got to make an appointment to see. Be thankful for people. Be thankful for the blessings God's given you. And then be thankful for God. Look at verse 3. He said, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He mentions all of those because they had a problem there of the divinity of Christ. And he's trying to say, hey, Jesus is the God-man. He was all God, yet he's all man. Jesus was a God-man. He is Lord. So you've got to have a growing relationship. That's the will of God. Being thankful is the will of God. Let me tell you, the will of God also is praying for others. Praying for others. See, sometimes we're always thinking of ourselves. Paul's in jail. He's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of others. He's writing to others. Paul prayed for individuals, for congregations to be godly. He prayed for the sick to be healed, for the lost to be saved, for the finances of the church, for the growing relationship. You see, when we, when we pray for others, it keeps our focus upward and it keeps our focus outward. Praying for people keeps me connected to God. I want to tell you something, folks, this morning. You're going to grab a hold of something in your life. Something. I read this story. Spurgeon used to tell it all the time about two men in a boat. They were going down the river, and they got caught in very severe rapids, and they were going to a place where there was a waterfall. They knew if they got to that waterfall, they would both be killed. They'd they'd never see them again. And so they began to struggle with their lives, and as they were carried swiftly down the stream, toward the rocks and the falls some men on shore saw them and they threw out a rope one of the men caught the rope and was was saved and at the same instant Spurgeon says the other man could have seized the rope but instead he seized a log floating by and he grabbed hold of the log and he went over the rapids and they never saw him again the man who grabbed hold of the rope He was pulled to shore safely. Now see, faith gives you a connection with the shore. Faith is Jesus Christ. You're going to grab a hold of something. Some of you this morning have grabbed hold of everything you could think of in life. And I'm telling you, it's not going to lead you to nothing but destruction. The only thing you can grab a hold of that will keep you in the storms is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. When I begin to look inward that's when my life swivels up as a christian r.a torrey was a great evangelist he he used to he wasn't at one time moody was the great evangelist but torrey was a tremendous bible teacher and moody would preach at night the evangelism services and he'd have torrey to preach in the morning actually bible classes thousands would come to be taught the word of god and uh he was speaking one day because he later on went to be a pastor and evangelist. And he was speaking one day and a guy came up to him and he said, I want you to know back in Australia, the strongest, most dynamic men that we have in our entire country were men that were saved in your crusade 27 years ago. And uh, Tory looked at him and he said, name some of them. What are their names? And he listed about six of those men he was talking about. Tory took his Bible and he flipped over. He said, God, just put it on my heart when those men were saved. He said, here's their names right here. He said, I've been praying for them every day for 27 years. Every day. I want to tell you, folk. You say, I sure wish our preacher could preach better. Why don't you pray for him? Huh? He may preach better if you prayed for him. I wish I had a better husband. Why don't you pray for him? I wish I had a better wife. Why don't you pray for her? 
I wish I had better kids. Won't you pray for them? I mean, I'm shooting straight with you. When's the last time you just knelt before God and you prayed for your spouse or you prayed for your kids? Now, everybody here is wanting everything to work out. We're all wanting things to be good. But I'm telling you, how many of you have stopped and prayed that? Wow. The will of God is that we be a praying people. I'm not just supposed to pray for me. I'm supposed to pray for you. And you're supposed to pray for me. We're in this thing together. Then the will of God, fourthly here, is for you to love the saints. You know, have you ever read a verse you wish, God, I wish you wouldn't have put that in there. I mean, you could have put some, love some of the saints, love the saints that are lovable. But I, I looked this word up in about six different places, and that word all means all. We're to love all the saints. Thank God, you don't know who all the saints are. There's some of them just not very lovable. But according to the Word of God, they didn't get saved by Eastern mysticism. They didn't get saved by Jewish legalism. They got saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not in a religion. It's in Christ. It's not in a man. It's not in a church. He said, and I heard of your love. We're to love our fellow Christians. And and he said, I've heard of your love for all of the saints. (laughs) Wow. I want to tell you something. That's going to take more than religion for you to love a lot of these people. You better be in Christ. (laughs) If you're going to love all the saints, you better make sure you're washed in the blood, you're born again, saved by grace, filled with the Holy Ghost, plugged into heaven, standing on the Word of God, sanctifying yourself daily, dying to self, and coming to life in Jesus Christ, or you're not going to be able to love them. People are always talking about signs and wonders. Everywhere I've gone this week, people say, "You, you, you think all these fires, all these hurricanes, all these earthquakes, signs, signs and wonders. I say, you want to know the greatest signs and wonders? Let me tell you, when the family of God comes together as a church and they love everybody, you will see a sign and a wonder like you ain't never seen before. That's when you can look for a sign and a wonder. You know what sets a church apart from the Rotary Club or the Kiwanis Club or, or the Lions Club, or any other fraternal. It's the love of the believers for each other. Now listen to me. You may not want to hear this. I'm not sure I even want to say it. But I'm telling you, the kind of love that ought to exist in this church is a supernatural agape love that is unconditional and all-inclusive. Loving all the saints. Then it's the will of God for you to be filled with hope. Good grief, sit around with that long face like you suck marbles through the... Uh, listen, <laughs> the sky is falling, the sky, pessimistic attitude. Look, look, look at verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Listen, you, you, need, to be, you need to be filled with hope. You say, well, preacher, I'm just getting old. I know, I know, I am too. And I don't like a whole lot of it. I don't like going to bed at night with a blame boot on your foot. Hurting all during the night. I don't like that. But I'm going to tell you, I done discovered something. This world's not my home. I said, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Hey, for the hope that's laid up 
for us, stored up for us. We've got a destination. Our Christian life is more than something that happens here on the face of this earth. We've got value beyond this life. And no matter how bad this life gets, one of these days for the child of God, it's going to be better than it's ever been before. We're going to depart. We're not going to die. We're going to depart. We're going to leave this old earth. We're going to leave these old bodies. And we're going to depart. Someone has said, death is the doorway into the lap of God. My soul have mercy. Can you imagine (gasps) breathing your last breath and suddenly being in the lap of the Lord Jesus Christ? My. Then it's also the will of God for you to bear spiritual fruit. Verse 6, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. That's the gospel. Becky and I are supposed to be in Atlanta, Georgia this Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on a church growth thing, how to bear fruit, but it was canceled. Irma has a way of just shutting those things down. And it looks like Irma's coming right up through Atlanta, Georgia, so, so anyhow, we're off. We've got a couple of days off. We don't have anything planned. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, to bear fruit. One of my friends wrote this last week, Brad Witt. He's preached here before out of Augusta, Georgia. He said this, church growth is not a mystery. If something's alive, it'll grow. Hmm. Well, hello. If something's alive, it'll grow. I'll never forget. I I was sharing with him this morning uh, over when I was preaching at Arabella earlier when Jeremy was probably six, seven years old. Surgery after surgery after surgery. They'd amputated his leg when he was born. And every year, sometimes most, most years between about six and about 12, it was two times a year a different surgery. Because you got a, a big bone in your leg and a small bone. And the small bone would grow faster than the big bone. And so it would protrude out the bottom. And they'd have to go in there and cut the small bone off. And they tried to graft it. They tried to do it. I was sitting there one day in Baptist Hospital in Beaumont, just moaning and crying and saying, you know, this ain't right. And David Cross, a chaplain, a good friend of ours, he walked in and we shared. And he said, Charles, he said, you're looking at this surgery wrong. If he wasn't having to have the surgery, that would mean he would not be growing. Because he's having the surgery, it means his leg is growing normal. I never looked at it like that. Some of you are going to go through some pains in this life. Kids are going to throw up. I can go on with a lot of other things. You're going to have to put up with that. It's part of growing up. It's part of growing up. In the kingdom of God, this world needs the gospel. And where there's life, there's evidence of life. And where there's evidence of life, there's proof of, proof of fruit. It's going to happen. You don't have to make plans for it to happen. If you're alive, it will happen. You'll grow. Let me give you this last thing and I'm through. It's the will of God for you to be faithful. What he said about Epaphras here, he said in, in the book of Philemon, he said he's a fellow servant. He's a bond slave of Christ. He's a faithful minister of the Lord. Could I tell you something this morning? Service to the Lord is a privilege. It's a privilege. It ought to be a privilege. He, 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 
the purpose of service is to expand the kingdom of God. I mean, you think we just do all this stuff around here just so we can get it done? No, it'd be a whole lot easier to sit and do nothing. But it's to expand the kingdom of God. We had two teams down this week working, and boy, they did a tremendous job, both of them. Tremendous amount of work done. Uh, the blessings, the calls that I've already gotten, how people are so blessed and, and all of that. Do, do you think that God's not going to bless that? It's not for us. Let me tell you, we could sit right here and say, well, you know, there wasn't no hurricane hit us. We're all right. So let's just move on. It's a, it's a privilege to serve God. And he says it cannot be done by one man. Paul says, I need Timothy. I need the Colossians. I need Epaphras. And he said, I need you. I need you. See, we, we tie results into success. But that's way above all of our pay grades. God said, I don't care whether you're successful. And I don't care whether you got results. What I want you to do is be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful to attend and to teach that life group you're in. My soul, don't, don't let them have to call you wondering where you are. <laughs> Be faithful in your attendance. Be faithful in your, your tithes and offerings. Be faithful in studying the Word of God. Be faithful in the choir. This, this, this calls for faithfulness. You don't get up and sing a song like that. I can't even keep up with all the different parts. You don't get up and sing that on Sunday morning without somebody being faithful to attendance. Prayer, all you do for the Lord, be faithful. Don't worry about the results. Don't worry about the results. Let me tell you what the results are going to be. We're going to fall in the arm of Jesus, and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's where the results are going to be. Don't worry about them down here on this earth. Someone has said, to know God's will is man's greatest treasure. But to do God's will is man's greatest privilege. Now, I know I always seek for illustrations that will fit everybody, but you young people won't have any idea about this. You'll have to Google it. You'll just have to Google it. But in 1985, some of us old folk were around then. We're talking 85 now, not 45. <laughs> 1985. Do you remember someone named Humphrey? Humphrey the whale. Humphrey was a giant whale that started swimming upstream in uh, San Diego or Sacramento. It's San Diego. And he started up the fresh water. And, and everybody knew he couldn't last up there. He's a saltwater fish. And so everybody was trying to turn him around, head him back the other direction. They were warning him, go back, Humphrey, go back. There were helicopters, there were TV crews. Y'all remember that? I mean, it made national news. Humphrey was, everybody was talking about Humphrey, Humphrey, Humphrey. In a last-ditch effort, they could not get that well to turn around and head back. And in a last-ditch effort, Dr. Bernie Krause, he had recorded the sounds of humpback whales while they were feeding and he suggested using them as a possible way. They get a PA system with a portable generator on a boat. And they're playing, I don't know how a whale sounds when he's feeding, but they're playing that sound out there. They put this speaker right down at the, at the water. 
You remember that? And they began to play that sound. And man, in a minute, it was several minutes, here comes old Humphrey right up nosing up to that speaker. And that boat takes off. And old Humphrey the whale is fine. Helicopters are flying overhead all over. Thousands of people are on the shores. Television, national TV. That's back when they had news. They, wasn't, they were given the news. This is what's happening. Humphrey is headed back. And, and, and they carried him all the way out. Past the Golden Gate Bridge. And back into the, the, the closer he got to the salt water, I mean, he'd already been up there long enough that he'd begin to turn a color and he was getting listless and he was just about gone. But the closer he got back to that ocean, that salt water, he began to go deep and deep, just excited and all of that. And then he took off. No one ever saw him again. <laughs> And they finally decided this. It takes a whale to talk to whales. Mm. Could I just tell you this morning, that's exactly what Christ has done for us. He left heaven as the God of all glory and came to earth to be a man so that he could speak our language so that he could hurt like we hurt, so that he could minister like we minister. And then he went and died on a cross, was crucified on Golgotha's hill. At any time, he could have called a legion of angels to take him down, but he didn't. Then he went into a tomb, and then on that third day, he arose. And I want to tell you, because of all of that, it takes a man to speak to a man. And God became man just so he could speak to you and you could be saved. Now you tell me, what's better than that? I mean, when you're on your way to hell and you're on your way to destruction and there's no hope for your life whatsoever, and yet here is a God who has become man so that he could reach out and pick you up and save you. And then you want to sit here and say, well, let me think about it. Better not think too long. I'm not a great one on these signs and wonders, but I'll tell you right now, it looks to me like it's not going to be long. And then your opportunity is over. Father, we're grateful today for your will. And I know there are other ways and will in your life for each one of us. We've got special things. But Lord, just in Colossians, these seven things are just evident that you want us to be doing. It's your will. So God, I pray that you'll just speak to the hearts of people this morning. Lord, some in this congregation, they need to be saved. If they're not saved, Lord, they're going to end up spending eternity separated from you and loved ones. Lord, there's some in this church that need a church home this morning. And I pray, God, Lord, we need labors. The fields are wide unto harvest. They're all around us. The children's ministry is just exploding. The youth ministry is just exploding. And Lord, all these things, it takes labors. And we're praying this morning for labors in the harvest, that you would send them here to this place. Lord, we're praying this morning for every individual person in this place.
Oh God, would you speak to each, each one of our hearts. Draw us closer to you. Lord, I just, just got a feeling that God, this altar really ought to be full this morning. Really ought to be full this morning of people saying, Lord, I know what your will is. I just didn't want to do it. But God, today, today, I'm going to get out of the seat. I'm going to get out of the way. And I'm going to let you have control of my life. Would you do that today, Lord? Would you just do miracle after miracle today? We claim it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen.